0: By the time we reached Mama's, I was having second thoughts. Despite it being one of the hottest days of the year in Kentucky, a cold shiver slid over my body. I peered upward to distance myself from the crime scene before me and watched the choreographed movements of a flock of birds veer, then turn in an unpredictable fashion, erratically stippling the summer skies. Their puzzling flight was punctuated by the intermittent cries coming from inside my mama's house. Those of my seven-month-old baby half-sister, Genevieve. Daddy flexed his jaw, and I saw his soft gray eyes darken to cavern cold. Daddy? Mama wouldn't kill herself. And that one trooper said she did it in front of baby Genevieve. Shush, baby. He squinted his eyes to keep out the broiling sun, intent on the exchange of conversation nearby. We watched Sheriff Allen, aptly nicknamed Jingles. It was a well-known and paw fact that you could hear him coming long before you saw the glint of his spit-polished gold badge. Jingles unsnapped his official oversized jail key ring from his utility belt and pulled off another ring that held his rabbit's foot, a metal horsehead bottle opener from the Dixie Brewing Company, and his lucky Indian head Penny. Then ducked into his car to place a set of keys in the ignition. He grabbed his clipboard and jingled his way back and forth across my mama's front yard, pausing to talk to the different officials scattered around. He stopped a few feet from us and tapped his clipboard's pages with a pen. The sheriff sneaked a peek at me, and shuffled a little farther away so that he was partially hidden behind a police cruiser, but not far enough away that I couldn't hear. I listened in horror as Jingles explained to the state trooper standing beside him, I'm not going to call it yet, Herb, and nobody's going to put much stock in the neighbor's statement, him being touched and all. Hell, it does look suspicious. What with how many times Ella showed up for her shift wearing sunglasses to hide Whitlock's marks. And with him stoned out of his mind on LSD and God knows what else, he could have done this. The state trooper chimed in. And then there's her suitcase, out and half filled. Looks to me like she had enough of living with him, not just in simply living. Suitcase. I tried to remember if I'd seen one when I was visiting her yesterday. Jingle shook his head. As his face softened, his words slowed and slid easily away. Some days that gal would just sit at that desk of hers and refuse to take off those sunglasses. All the while she's busy fussing about them fluorescent lights hurting her eyes and making her head pound. He clucked his tongue and sighed. Little Ella couldn't have weighed more than ninety pounds soaked. Him? Damn near two hundred. Damn pill head. Jingles turned and spat. He handed the clipboard to the trooper. Your desk clerk talked to Whitlock at about ten this morning. The trooper looked over the notes. Yeah, about an hour ago. Hetty had called to see why Ella'd missed her shift, Jingles said and pointed to the house. If you need to talk to her, she's in there taking care of the baby until child welfare gets here. I looked at Mama's home. The bare windows, curtained with nothing more than bird droppings, splattered down the panes. It was hard to believe that a banker's daughter, and a once prominent member of the Peckinpah community, lived in this run-down old clapboard, held together by peeling paint and thick moss layered over shadowed boards that she'd been living her life just pennies shy from collecting a government draw check. I silently prayed that she'd walk out arms wide, ready to cradle me and make this nightmare go away. I'd sent up the same prayer the day she went off to the big city with Tommy and left me here in paw with Daddy. That bright summer day right before my ninth birthday,